Welcome to the BAM Biz Talk podcast, hosted by BAM Biz Hub, also known as the B Squared Hub Accelerator Program. We are a 501c3 nonprofit providing ideation, commercialization methodology, and mentorship to startups, early stage, and growth-driven businesses in the Permian Basin and beyond. The B-Square Hub Accelerator Program is 100% online with access to the BAM team for curriculum questions, resources, and mentorship, as we are the only accelerator in the Permian Basin where face-to-face mentorship is available right here at home. We have over 900 enrollments in the B-Square Hub Accelerator Program and are constantly seeking to add more courses and resources to create opportunities for you. Our team, board of directors and mentors are vast and experienced in an array of disciplines culminating in a well-rounded group of resources for our startups and businesses preparing to either enter the market or accelerate their growth. To find out more about us, go to bambizhub.com or call to set up a free consultation at 1-833-BAM-IDEA or 432-247-8840. That's 247-8840. Contact us for podcast sponsorship opportunities. Bam! Welcome to Bam Biz Talk Podcast here at the Bam House. Today, we are with Noah Bergeron. He is the Associate Director, University of Louisiana Lafayette Office of Innovation Management, and we are really honored to have him here today. How are you doing, Noah? Oh, doing real well. Thank you all so much for making the invite and making this happen. Absolutely. So tell us a little about yourself. Start off with who you are and what you represent and what you're into. Yeah, absolutely. So as you guys said, uh, UL Lafayette Office of Innovation Management. I work in the academic world, and the job is technology transfer. How do we get stuff out of the university and into the hands of the world where it can make a positive difference in people's lives? And uh, I've spent a career basically in the science world, and uh, what I came to discover was that just doing crazy science and having fascinating prototypes wasn't enough. I needed to see a change in the world, and so that brought me over here into this technology transfer role in the more I did that tech transfer, the more I realized that some of the most important organizations for technology transfer were our small businesses and the organizations that support those small businesses and the startup community. The startup community, I think, is perhaps the future of technology transfer. Man, that that's a that's beautiful thing, and that's the exact reason why we really wanted to have you uh, talk with us today because of just of your experience and your position and where you at. And, you know, you said something in there, you said you wanted to see a change in the world, right? You wanted, you wanted to leave it, you want to leave an impact and it influenced your actions and in, in where you, uh, position yourself in the world. I mean, I think, I think that's, I love that. Yeah. And when you see these startup companies, you see that motivation, their desire to bring something new into the world, goods, products, services, the, one of the better definitions for entrepreneur that I've really enjoyed seeing is someone who is identifying an unmet need of society and is willing to do the hard work and effort to step up and to meet that need. And this is where I find myself uh, really enjoying and being very honored and proud to be part of this. I think what Brad Feld calls is the, the instigators, the people who want to support these startups and these entrepreneurs and to help them succeed. You know, I, I've always been told that commercialization is a lot like, uh, well, systematic and cross-discipline approach, uh, where the goal is really to launch a maximum awareness and, and, and receive some sort of maximum profit. 
Is there more to that? Yes, there is. I'm really glad about that question. So in commercialization now, you know, there's, there's a big wide world of tech transfer and my little piece of the pie is the technology that's coming out of a research institution. And so it's got specific characteristics that I think make it very well suited and attractive to the startup community. And that is the ability of that to pivot and the ability of that technology to attract non-dilutive investment. There you go. I think those two things, the more that we exploit those tendencies, the more we'll be able to help entrepreneurs and startups. You know, what is some of the strategy that goes along with this uh, ideology in the process of development um, of any type of technology as far as financing, moving the technology from concept to market? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I love this. Now, again, uh, always full of disclaimers. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a patent attorney. I don't have a PhD. I don't have an MBA. I am not representing any organization, any past, present, future employers. But that's the key question, what you just asked. And there is, there are billions of dollars every year being invested by the federal government in both new technologies and in startup companies and small businesses. And that offers that non-dilutive option because any entrepreneur needs investment. Right. They are on that fundraising mission. And the typical strategy in the past has been find investors and you're going to be trading away some percentage of your company in exchange for that investment. It's a great deal for everyone. And I love it and I encourage it. Right. But before that happens, before you go to the investors and you start making the deals for portions of your company, there is billions of dollars in the federal bucket of non-dilutive capital that is available. And the research nature of it, the cutting edge technology nature of it, the patented and licensed to a startup nature of it makes those kinds of entities particularly attractive for the federal investment. Why not use other people's money? Why not use the federal dollar that is intended to go to this economic development purpose in, before going to investors and trading away portions of the company? Demonstrate yeah, there you go. the ability to <clears throat> gain traction before going and having to dilute yourself. Yeah, that's the main main thing, too, is that typically startups, well, let's just say it, we don't have a whole lot of money. Uh, and wherever we can get it, and of course, uh, really adds to uh, really planting the seed to grow the fruit. I like that seed word because that does tie into one of what I think one of the better federal programs are that's out there. And that's the National Science Foundation's SBIRSTTR program. And it literally builds itself as America's seed fund. But the key, the key to getting the money is two pieces that NSF wants to see. They want to see cutting edge research that still needs to be done. Right. And they want to see that the market wants it. And if you can demonstrate those things, then America's Seed Fund is open to you. So would you say it's really more about, uh, and I'm trying to get my own definition to this, is it more about the idea that you have a proof of concept um, where you've got some idea that there is a demand out there that yet you need to further develop it, uh, maybe to be more competitive within the marketplace. Yes, exactly that last point there. 
what a lot of the programming around there assumes is that because you've got some cool new thing, right? That it is feasible. It is real. There is the science, engineering, technology to support it. What they want at first, what they need to see in order to unlock that investment is that the desirability is there. Um, and other people smarter than me can repeat the statistics, but my understanding is that when products are launched, when startups form, a substantial portion of any failures occur because of lack of product to market fit, a lack of right. demand. And by going through the NSF process, and their process is almost the same thing that I find almost um, all of the incubators, accelerators are teaching to the startups, is how to determine desirability before doing anything else. Before we do anything else, before we invest money, before we start doing weird experiments in vacuum chambers and particle <laughs> accelerators, yeah. let's make sure that what can come out of this is what people want and need yes absolutely um otherwise you don't have a product you don't have a customer at that point it's like you wasted not only the money but your own time as an entrepreneur which is your most precious resource that is the most precious resource of all absolutely i love what you just said there and what you're talking about really is that's that's kind of the where the rubber meets the road right the it's the intersection right. where the research institution kind of meets with startups and startups are needing help through uh, accelerators and incubators and, and consultants and, you know, people who, who help get a startup going. Well, how do they do that? Well, a lot of that process is doing their market positioning. What's the demand? Who, who are the customers? Is What's the competition like? Uh, yeah. Could you talk about that? Or get into that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Love it. Uh, and this is some of my favorite stuff because all of these inventions, discoveries, now whether it comes from a university, whether it comes from a national laboratory, whether it comes from a NASA center, any of these kinds of things, they're all very similar in that, boy, it's cutting edge, man. It is cutting edge, it is high tech. And because it is that, it can go places, it can move around. The idea is not a fixed thing, it is a thing that can be adjusted to fit inside the right amount of desirability. And that's where offices like myself fall in love with organizations like yours, because we can't, the, the literally the mass of inventions, the quantity and quality of what's coming out of our universities, our research labs, our NASA centers is too much for the transfer offices to sit there and do this one by one by one we would lose our minds we just can't do it but the entrepreneurs can't if and that's the secret in my mind is to find this team of willing and committed people who are like that's an idea and i'm going to figure out where it can go and i'm going to work with my incubator i'm going to work with my accelerator programs i'm going to work within an entrepreneurial support network to figure out where is the place for this cutting edge technology? So, you know, that brings me to a question. I mean, let's just say it. You kind of know everything that you can think of as far as where startups go. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, because of your background, your experience, uh, honestly, do you have a preference between an incubator or an accelerator? Oh, no, I really don't. It's 
honestly, it's any of that helps so much. Okay. That it's always heartbreaking to see someone come in there. Oh, I've got a patent. I know what this is going to do. No, you don't. You might have the patent, but you don't know yet. And I will say any focused effort by an entrepreneurial team around determining desirability is already a game changer. And I will say that any program that an entrepreneur can get themselves into, any community, any support system, any network set of programs is worth it. And, you know, I, I really don't have a preference for one person. Just if it will happen, I'm right. already happy. So, you know, the other question I have then is what is the infrastructure of a commercialization process? Yes, yes. And here's the fun part is that it's this trifecta of law, of science, and of business. And it's that intersection. So kind of the fundamental nature of the reporting and protection, that's where you get started. And what I'll tell people, I enjoy telling people, is that the only thing a university can ever manufacture is a quality education. Amen. Everything else, yeah. you're going to buy it, and it's technology. It's coming from a company. So yes. you have to transfer it to a company, and you have to protect it before that happens. And that's also equally true of our national labs. That's equally true of our NASA centers. So like, for example, you know, you or I can go out today and buy goods and services that are NASA-invented, NASA-designed, but we're never going to buy them from NASA. Right. Uh, we can go and buy technologies that came out of our national labs and out of our universities, but we can't send money to the national labs and universities to buy these things. Correct. So there has to be a transfer. And there, it's just, I would say, always say, you know, get engaged early and often. If you're a researcher or an entrepreneur, if you're like, okay, you know, I want to, I want to be an inventor, tell your employer, <laughs> you know, tell, talk to your employer early and often. It varies institution to institution, state to state. It varies internationally. Um, I can just talk about our own processes. And we say, oh, please, please, please tell us what you've got and give us as much detail as possible. In the case of a public university, the trend typically is to have an external law firm as your patent attorney. Right. You may have patent attorney staff at your university, but typically there's also an external partner law firm that will be your patent firm and you use them and then you get protected. And then once you have any kind of protections in place, that's when you can move to do the actual transfer of the technology. And I'll say, I don't like the word ownership. It's not something that I think communicates very clearly in legal language, which is important. It's better to talk about inventors because that's a particular legal definition. Then, the assignees, and that's a particular legal definition. And then the licensees, again, that gets particular. So although there are lots of other ways of doing it in the public university system, the tendency will be that the university will be assigned the patent. And so that if the case of public university, then that's considered uh, state, uh, you know, technology that the state has, state of Louisiana, state of Texas, and that then the company is found that is the fit that wants it. And there's a license agreement that basically empowers that company right. to go to market. Wow. Well, that was a lesson, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I didn't know, I didn't know all that was involved. Oh yeah. No, it's cool. It's cool. And it, there's one tragic part. It's that 
there's very little formal training in this. It's like basically all on the job. Oh, you thought this was cool? Cool. Here we have a thousand page manual. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My new job is reading. Yeah. Uh, what, what I would really like to communicate to the entrepreneurial community is that there is an enormous amount of technology just out there and people want to transfer it to you. Every technology transfer office that's at a university wants to get that university technology into the hands of the entrepreneur. The NASA centers want to get that technology into the hands of the entrepreneurs. The national labs, they want that. They want that so much. It's just that a lot of times entrepreneurs don't know. They don't even know that, okay, yeah, I mean, we get the sense that, okay, yeah, 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 all these research institutions are making a lot of cool stuff. They're discovering a lot of cool things, but what does that have to do with me? Oh, it has everything to do with yeah. You are the person they're inventing it for. Literally, you are. Right. And then that raises the question, okay, well, what are all the numbers in terms of conditions? Well, the best thing I can advise anyone to do is to go to technology.nasa.gov. And I'm not with NASA. I'm not a NASA employee. I'm not NASA anything. But on that landing page right there, they will give you numbers. They will say, this is the average. This is the range. This is how it works. And I will say that that NASA example, I think, is very true and common across pretty much any university or federal government or any other kind of research institution license deal. If you want to know the numbers, go to go to there and take a look at that. Can you repeat that, that website again? I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite websites, technology.nasa.gov. Okay. Please kind of scroll. I think it's kind of towards the bottom of the page. And they show all the graphs, all the numbers. And so if you're an entrepreneur and you need to say, okay, well, I like this technology, but how is the deal going to look? And is it a deal that would still be meaningful to me? Look at that. Look at that right there. And that will give you a great sense. That's oh, gold that's, right there. Yeah, that really is. That's good to know. And then if someone tries to give you a different deal, you can always say like, hey, well, uh, you know, NASA does it this way. And they might say, well, hey, we're not NASA. <laughs> <laughs> But it's NASA, man. Yeah, it's NASA. <laughs> you know, I, I review literature, it's all out there, but I would say that I definitely would encourage anyone looking for actual numbers to put against tech transfer to go to that webpage. You know, speaking of, you know, going to web pages and all those other things that we have to do to actually launch a product. Uh, another question I have anyway is what are some of the barriers to commercialization? The biggest barrier I would find, I think, to commercialization is funding because it is an early stage technology. We're in this world. Right. And so in order for it to become the products, goods, and services that are in the market and existing, work's got to get done. And that's a challenge for a lot of companies. Yeah. And if you're a university, you do research like fish swim through water. You're barely even aware of how much of it you're doing. And at the same time, the university can't bring it to market by itself. Then over here on the company side, yeah, I mean, bring stuff to market. That's the whole reason you exist. But doing research is very hard. Right. It's a, a cost. It's an expense. And, oh, man, we don't want that. We want to minimize our expenses, particularly very early into these business adventures. So there's the partnership. It's like, hey, look, well, what if we got together? Right. What if the university as a partner had its research capability? And the startup had as its portion of the relationship its ability to commercialize. 
because that unlocks something and that unlocks something in funding very particular is it does make that federal investment much easier to get because you have to prove to the federal government really two things to get that investment. You need to prove that you can, in fact, do this research that is necessary to produce this thing and that this thing will be desirable. And I would say, you know, desirability should come first. I would almost encourage entrepreneurs before they do anything else to say, okay, where do I want to make a difference at? Who do I want to help? And then once you know who you want to help, you know, what are their problems? What are the jobs they're trying to do? What are their pains and gains? You know, we go through that exercise and then we should have an understanding going, having gone through that exercise. Okay, here's exactly who I want to help. And if I were able to provide thus and such solutions, boy, they'd snap it up. Yeah, they would. Great. Then now it's time to look broadly at, I would say, the combination of university and federal government intellectual property. And you can do that with the assumption that these universities and federal agencies want you to have their patents, want you to be the commercialization partner. And so let's say, I'm going to start making some stuff up here. You know, I want to help workers on the rig floor from losing their hearing. That's what I want to do. That's what matters to me. That will, that will make me wake up at four in the morning and keep me working until 8 p.m. at night. If I can help them with that, you know, I say, okay, cool. That's what I want to help. I can look at NASA. I can look at department of energy. I can look at national labs. I can look at universities. And what I'm going to try to find are the different pieces of intellectual property, the different patents and copyrights and everything that I could bring together to create a solution to help that problem, to help those people. And the more you've done that ahead of time, the more you do very first this discovery, this who do I want to help and what they need in order to be helped, that's traction. To every one of us technology transfer offices, man, that's traction. You show up, you sit down, you say, I want to help these people. This is who they are. This is what they need. And your IP here that you want to license, that you want to transfer is what will help me do that. Wow, you are, you are batting a thousand. You are uh, a gold standard that I'd, I'd like to duplicate as much as possible. You know, I think you bring up some really good points during that. I mean, really, what you're doing in development and discovery is that you're really uncovering your your uh, purpose, your motivation, right. uh, yes. and that leads to also. And I'm hoping my, some of our clients are listening. Um, that leads to the idea of really what the mission is here. Um, and that mission becomes very easy to write. And then that mission is really connected to the value proposition as to what it Absolutely. is that you're trying to accomplish. So, Absolutely. And I would you don't need a good idea. You need a good purpose. That's right. There's tons of good ideas that people want to push at you. Mm. You need a good purpose and you need to know who you're trying to help. I, li I like that uh, perspective, that, that paradigm right there, right? Because you know, everybody has, oh, man, I'm full of ideas. I get all kinds of good ideas, right? Okay. What's your purpose, though? How is that idea going to right. be value uh, to someone, right. to, the, to the market? Yeah, and typically you get the if feedback. You're a person, if you're a person full of purpose with no ideas, well, there is a world of ideas ready for you. There, are, There is a world of people ready to push those ideas at you to make those ideas happen for you. 
if you have the purpose. But if you have tons of ideas and no purpose, I don't even want to talk to you. Oh my God, I have so much other work I need to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you got a lot of reading to do, huh? <laughs> Right? Like, I promise you, I always need to be reasoning. No, why aren't you reading? Oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring up that point, too, about, you know, coming in our office and say, I've got an idea that's worth millions of dollars. Uh, that's when I I'll, I start to turn it off. However, if you come in my office and says, I got millions of people I can help. Boy, now that turns me on. Let's get right, into that. Right. And, and I love that. That's so good. And that's the the training, the message that I if I could communicate one thing to entrepreneurs, it would be that it's not about ideas. It's yeah. about purpose. And rather than saying, okay, well, you know, I've got to, you know, make the hardest steel that's ever been made. And then that's going to be a thing. No, man, no one cares about the hardest <laughs> steel. You know, but if on the other hand, you know, you were able to say, Hey, look, there are people whose houses are falling over and being destroyed every time there's a hurricane. And I want to help those people from having to go through the loss of their home again. Oh, no, that's a purpose. Yes. That's yeah. purpose. You can start there and you can figure out, okay, how, what is that problem? Where can I fit in and how can I make a difference there? And if you can figure out, like you said, here are the millions of people I want to help. Well, then the ideas will be out there for you. Right. But if you walk in there, you're like, I get the hardest steel in the world. You're like, great, go write a science paper and get out of my <laughs> You know, I really love something you said in there that, um, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, you have the idea of hard steel. Okay. So, but the purpose, you find a purpose where then you have the use for the hard steel. Now, once that set, once that done, once you fulfill that purpose, now, how many other products how many other things can come from what you just created because of that single purpose and the, the expansion right. of, of, the, of that product? And I would say, you know, the, the way I would caution the idea people, I love the idea people, you know, I know it's made a lot of fun of them, but what a lot of the idea people need to learn and also entrepreneurs, a second thing I could communicate is focus, focus mm -hmm. on one problem and one group of people that you can help who have that problem. Because sometimes I see people come in there and they've got something cool, man. They they do have a good purpose. They are connected to some solutions. But they're like, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. Yeah. I could do this. Like, you know, you can't. You can't do all that at once. Nope. You have to pick something. And the best part I like about the incubators, the accelerators, and all the different programming is that it helps you find out quick if your focus is correct or not. Because, I mean, I'll say this. My opinion, I've done a little bit of this and I love it whatever you're starting off with is wrong. It might have a little bit of correctness in it, but there's guaranteed to be, mm -hmm. you know, between one to 99% wrong in what you got. That's right. And that's cool. That's yeah. great. Expect that. Embrace it. Right. Use and use your focus to work that problem until you're like, okay, yeah, no, here really is the solution where I say, yeah, the solution is to run away from this as fast as possible and do something. <laughs> because you're not the most important resource. Don't waste it. If, I would rather see someone go through programming that was super intense over the course of six weeks and say, no, this isn't it. I need to have a different purpose. I need to work on something different than to spend three years of their life and say, oh, no, this wasn't it. Oh, that's tragic. Yeah. And look, and I'll say this as, as a person, like I sat down at a table with a couple other co-founders been like, who needs to buy groceries this week? You, you want to avoid that. 
You know, you don't want to be that. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Absolutely. You know, I, I know uh, commercialization, of course, has a lot of different moving parts. Uh, one of the things that uh, I always wanted to know, and mainly in your perspective, what are some of the disadvantages of commercialization? I would say that the biggest disadvantage is, wow, there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, there really is. There, If there are some people who are looking for, I would say, something fast, this isn't it. Uh, commercialization is not it. The average time between when there is an invention discovered and it's out in the world making money is years, it is single digit years. So it's not fast. Um, you know, Buck Rogers in the 21st century, it, it takes time. And yes. if you don't have the time to commit, then it's not the world for you. You know, there's lots of great opportunities, even in the startup world, even in entrepreneurship that are fast. Commercialization is not one of them. Tech commercialization, it takes time and it also takes an ability to deal with a, with a broad variety of people. And I love that. I, mean, I, I love the great diversity of humanity. Um, but if you're, but if you hate the idea of talking to PhDs, you're not going to want to do commercialization because it's going to happen. If you hate the idea of talking to lawyers, it's not. You know, commercialization yeah. is not for you because you've got to bring in this very cross-functional group of people who have individually very different personalities very different goals very different mindsets and to stitch together like a quilt oh you know you're going to be this patch you're going to be this patch and i'm going to be this patch and when we all come together and we all join ourselves together now we're now we're a blanket you know it's like do you want me to go be a blanket with me or not right <laughs> yeah. it's stitch you know, some of the things I've heard, too, in my, and from other folks within the incubators is one thing that they, I've heard, um, and I, in fact, I can quote them. They say, uh, listen, the uh, commercialization is not welfare-oriented, but profit-minded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's one of the challenges to communicate to a lot of the, I would say, individual researchers is that profit is good. And money is good because that money profit is the sustainability of this. Because let's say you're, and I've been a person at this point where you're at a research institution, you're developing something and wow, okay, cool. No, no, this works. Like, oh my God, it, it finally lit up. It, it finally achieved the voltage as necessary, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, and you, the research, like, oh my God, this has this is real like this, this, this can go somewhere. Well, right away, then you need to get, if you're going to do that commercial, you got to get hard minded because it's about sustainability and that's where the profit matters. It's not filthy, dirty money. It's the ability to sustain the solution because I mean, I'll say this to I spent a decade just doing research and I used to think it would be enough for me personally, just to leave a, you know, a trail of wacky prototypes. And I found out that it wasn't, I needed to see it in the world. I needed to see it exist mm -hmm. and replicate and make a difference. But for that to happen, it has to be sustainable. Um, you know, sustainability, it's, it's real. There's a reason why we're all talking about it. Right. And that sustainability is only possible through making good money. 
and that means profitability. The only reason someone would invest in a company is they expect a substantial rate of return, at least as a part of the portfolio. And so that's that's a very different mindset for a researcher to obtain. And then also even for the entrepreneurs, like, hey, look, you know, you're not going after, let's say, um, venture capital money because it's cool and sexy and fun to do. You're doing it because <laughs> it's necessary. And they're not giving yeah. you money because they think you're a cool person, a nice looking suit and a fun pitch. They're giving it to you based on your ability to go make them even more. And the more you can, I think, uh, maintain a, uh, I would say, purpose, a calling, right. while at the same time being very hard-headed about what is it going to take to sustain my ability to bring this to the world? You know, that's that's kind of the sweet spot between the rose-colored glasses and the cold, hard ground. Wow, that's really true. You know, they, they say economic growth is it's exactly what commercialization does. It provides new revenue, generates new job creation. Um, it uh, enables maybe a regional uh, area to take off and a wide variety of directions, potentially even global. Um, what else do you see as far as an economic growth for commercialization? Yeah, no, great question. When I first took this role, I was given the best single piece of guidance I could have gotten. And what that was, was that innovation is the process that we use to translate research into economic development. So on one hand, there is the world of research. Yes. And on the other is the world of economic development. And they're separate worlds. They're separate people. The ability to cross over back and forth, that's a, that's a small group. That's not the average member of either group. And so what innovation, in my mind, gets to be, and the commercialization just kind of that as well, um, is the ability to be that bridge, the ability to communicate one into the other and back and forth because that's what it takes right uh you know people can do lots of research and there's i mean there's a billion science experiments sitting on desks and shelves i mean i there was one that i carried around in my, in my car and in my garage for a decade before anything cool happened with it and <laughs> because there wasn't any innovation the research had been done and the economic development was so far away that it's like okay oh my god how can this ever connect and then that's when organizations like yours pop up and say, oh, okay, cool. No, 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 no. You know, you have a purpose. There's some problems you're looking to solve. Let's go through that exercise. Because uh, one of the best things that I've learned, particularly recently, is that discovery piece, that thing that the incubators, that the accelerators teach people really is the scientific method. This whole yes. market research, customer discovery, jobs to be done theory, uh, the training I've received on that, I was like, oh, my God, this is the scientific method. This is this is like being in science class again, where instead of investigating nature with experiments, I'm investigating the market with experiments. 100%. I'm investigating my customer with experiments. And the same techniques are are entirely applicable. Even some of the language is the same. They're like, all right, we're going to do hypotheses. I'm like, oh, my little science heart. Wildly, we're going to do experiments? Yes. Hypotheses? Oh, what are these assumptions we're making? Like, it's just one. It's like, hold on, let me get my goggles. <laughs> yeah. My lab coat. <laughs> and because, like, that, it works in research. Well, it works in innovation as well. 
And as long as you can roll in with a purpose and be willing to pivot and adjust and to do what's necessary to solve that problem, to fulfill your purpose, then my words would be that the ideas are there for you. The technology is there for you and will beat a path. Not all the way to your door, but maybe halfway. You got to beat the other half of the, of the path. Like, hey, you know, here's here's a big cane knife. Have fun, um, and it'll connect. Well, I think what you're you're really doing for us is that you're proving the point. It's not just about a business plan, for heaven's sakes. Um, I, right. I typically look at a business plan as a. Uh, well, a repository of information, all that development and strategy and, and business model and all the things you're doing for price points and all the good stuff, I say, uh, is way done before you ever get to a business plan. Um, and I feel yeah. sorry for a lot of folks, too, because I, I've they've come into our office, for example, they've done a business plan, and yet they haven't mapped out their strategy. They don't know what they're measuring. Uh, and they don't really know if they've got any buy-in, product fit, market fit, uh, where they, they can even create a demand. And yet they've got a business plan. And I try to tell folks, and I, I'd really like to hear your side of the story of this, is you don't do anything until you have some sort of proof of concept. Uh, that makes the, the journey, I think, worthy of your motivation if you've got some proof of concept. What do you think on oh, that? Go ahead. Uh, I'll work um, very closely with our local entrepreneurial development centers yes. and they're wonderful people and they they say the exact same thing and um, the best way I had the best thing I have now and it's probably going to change over time and my best uh, could be a lot better is to tell that person that comes in there with the business plan to say well I'm really glad to see that you're willing to work I'm really glad to see that you are capable of putting in effort that's good. That's going to be right. necessary. Now, what I'd like for you to do is to become a student again. At some point in our lives, we've all been students. I see how hard you're willing to work. And if you are willing to put in that kind of effort, along with the mindset of being a student and being open to the things that we want to teach you, there is no limit to your success. But that's what you have to do. You have to be willing to be a student again. And you have to be willing to keep up this kind of level of effort, even if we're not going to necessarily use the work that you've already done. Wow, that is exactly what we do. Um, man, that was good to hear that from somebody else. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We're, we're all struggling. And it's like, oh, wait a second. This, this thing's heavy for you, too. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spot you back. You know? Absolutely. You got, we got to keep learning, got to keep growing. Uh, and, you know, especially if you're uh, an entrepreneur, you got to keep studying. So, uh, you know, the yeah. you know the, the master is the one who never stops learning, right? So there's only one way to, right. to get there. Um, you know, I... I wanted to ask you if you had a specific example that you could share with us of a success story, basically, of a, a startup who meshed with a, a research institution, and maybe we know him as a household name now, or maybe that's something that we use every day that we don't even know about. You know, do, do you have something like that? No. Yeah, yeah. So here's one. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I have, For sure. I don't have permission to do that. But let me just tell a story, right? Great. So uh, we have one of the university's patents, and they're like, oh, you know, we want to do this. And the university was like, okay, well, you know, uh, prove that, prove that, prove, you know, you're, you're saying all this stuff. Like, let's just see some demonstration about just what we've been talking about. 
what is this market? What is the demand? What are the problems? What do you think you're going to offer differently? They go through and they do that exercise. Like, okay, okay, that's convincing. That's convincing. We will go ahead and we will do this. So the university go ahead, you know, does all the protection. The reason why I'm telling this particular story is uh, this was the most expensive patent in the university's history. It really was. Oh my God, we learned so much. Uh, so that happens. And then a startup company was formed specifically for the purpose of licensing this technology and taking it further because, um, you know, the team was like, here it is. And the company was like, ah, that's cute. <laughs> not yet. It's, yeah. it's not there yet, but it's in a really good place. And it's in a place where it needs a business in order to grow further. And that business, they invested. Uh, now, there was some external investment as well. And there was the company's investment, the startup's investment of time, of energy, more than of money. Like, it's there are problems money can't solve. There are problems that have to be solved by the the mind and the hands, right? And they solved more problems. They solved problems that the regional research team was just not going to be able to solve. You know, no, no mm. blame or credit either way. It's just different people are best suited at different stages. And so it really happened well that way. And that startup company was working. They had product into the market. The license was paying royalties. So we're like, oh, we're, we're happy. Yeah. Well, and this is this is the win, right? Just doing that other stuff is a win already. This is the big win, the small win versus the big win, I suppose. A larger company, and ah, this is where I love the story, comes in and buys the startup. And so then the startup founders receive a lot of benefits that they get to have. And then now this product entered a whole new market because this larger company that bought the startup had an ability to bring this technology to market in a way that a startup never could. And that's because they the don't have enough proved, money. <laughs> yeah, the startup, the startup proved the the startup. I'd say added the value. The startup made themselves so desirable. Yeah. To this larger company, the large company's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're worth. It. And now that you know, in most uh, in most uh, university institutions, I think what you'll find is there's a smaller handful of the success that is extremely successful now that was you know obviously no different here and that was our story that that way it was a case of the researchers did take the time to demonstrate the market to the university and there was a startup company willing to form around licensing the technology and that startup company made themselves attractive to purchase by a larger company who could bring the products, goods, and services availability to an entirely new level. And then everybody won. Literally, everybody got a win out of that. And boy, if if uh, if that were my day-to-day, I, I think I would just, uh, my heart would explode and that'd just be the end of it, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. You know, there there are so many success stories, and then there's so many failures. Um, one of the things I always wanted to know, and especially in a commercialization situation, how is success measured uh, in comparison? Oh, that's so important. Yeah, in comparison oh. to maybe a failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I would definitely encourage entrepreneurs is you need to think about success and failure in different terms. 
you need to think about success and failure in the terms of, I would say, your value of, and your value is time. As an entrepreneur, your value is your time and your effort. And so a success is even figuring out that this isn't worth your time and effort. If uh, so, I, I've been a part. Like I've, I've signed up for. I feel like I always need to be trained, right? This, you never be too highly trained. You never have too much of an education. That's right. There's always more. You know, I went through a program. They're like, hey, you know, let's let's go through an exercise. Everybody just come up with something, and we're going to test the desirability of that. And they were really clear: the win is not, yes, this is worth doing, and the failure is not, no, this isn't worth doing. They said the win is at the end of this six weeks being able to say whether this is worth it or not. The failure is being uncertain, going forward with it, and being miserable three years later, not accomplishing nothing. Yeah. So for you to stand up there, and that's kind of what I had to do, is like, okay, um, after this six weeks, this idea is terrible, and I would not spend any of my time or life. They're like, that's a win. That's a win. You succeeded. Absolutely. And that's true. And uh, what I see arising here locally and i think it's really great when it happens in these communities and i see organizations such as yourselves is uh, you know the seed the node for that is what i'll call a startup community this is all brad feld stuff so i'm just you know repeating stuff i've read right but it's also stuff i've experienced in that if you have a community then the entrepreneurs they know each other they're working together and so when one team of them you know, they go off on an adventure, whether it's for six weeks, six months, or six years. At the end of it, they have a community to go back to. And it's a case of like, okay, hey, look, this this particular startup of yours, it, 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 it didn't succeed. Like, wow, I saw your work on that. I want you to be a part of this next team. You can fail 10 times and then succeed, and it's a win overall. And so the only failure in the entrepreneurial world is to devote your time and effort to something that you didn't study enough. That's so and true. To operate under mistaken assumptions. And if you can avoid that, then you're avoiding failure. And you're right. only having success even when the ideas don't work and the companies don't work. Yeah, because, you know, I, I've often believed, and I, I, I I'll probably take it to my grave, that failure does create opportunity. Um, and I say that because it makes you have to dig deeper and trying to f uncover maybe some more entities, uh, more elements to develop what it is that you're looking to develop. Um, and I think today we've actually hit on some really good things. And one of the best things I loved to hear was um, – Make sure that you're having something with purpose. Uh, it's not about the dollar figure because if you have something with purpose, trust me, the dollar will follow. It's just that you have to have that purpose of willing to generate some sort of technology, innovation, um, that you know you're solving a problem. And the Absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. With purpose, with effort, and with the willingness to be a student, and you bring that to your local startup incubator your accelerator program your network your band you <laughs> yeah but yeah i, I think uh, you know all this conversation about really the purpose and being able to uh, commit commit to finding the solution um 
you know, you mentioned too that, you know, you, we just don't study enough. We don't research enough. We think we got enough and come to find out it was a, it was a harebrained idea in the first place because only you didn't put enough time into it to develop it. You know, it's like a plant. You got to keep watering it for the, for it to bloom or create the fruit. Um, and that watering really, and I tell every one of the folks that come through our office, it's all about research, research, research. And uh, when you get tired of that, do some more research. Yeah. 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 And uh, this is all I like to tell people about presentations. Look, no one is going to care more than you about what you were working. And so you were kind of set the, you were setting the ceiling for how much success you can have, how much you care and are willing to work on it. Right. And if you are willing to say, okay, yeah, yeah, no, this is my purpose and my purpose is important. And I want to help people. I've stayed devoted to that and I am willing to, you know, put in the literally pour the blood, sweat, and tears out of my body to fulfill my purpose, that there will be the training I need, that there will be the access to technology, that there will be the access to non-dilutive capital, that there will be opportunity. But it must be done in a clear-eyed cold-hearted uh fashion because it has to be real this we don't do this because it's fun it is fun right we do this to fulfill our purpose you know i i I was reading on the website that uh, you guys have actually uh at the university have a technology commercialization minor that goes with engineering is that correct yeah i mean and really um I think that's one of the best things that someone can do is if you're in the STEM world, right. And you decide, Oh, okay. You know, entrepreneurship is the thing for me. Uh, get thee to some form of business training. Right. Uh, and it's, it's not that you are going to displace a businessman. You're not like, just because let's say you're an electrical engineer with, um, some kind of business concentration or minor does not mean that you don't need business people on your team. It does mean that you understand the larger purpose of the blanket in your role as a pageant. And I do think that's important because on one hand, the business students I find are very good. They're excellent. They're very, very capable. They need the engineers, the scientists to tell them, okay, what really is feasible and how does this actually work that we need the confidence that we're not just saying, Hey, yeah, you know, well, we're going to go out, we're going to sell a faster than light speed radio. I bet you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who's the scientist on that team? And I do think <laughs> a lot of people who like do the science, they're like, wow, yeah, I see technology all around. I see it in the world. I use it all the time. I want my technology to be out in the world. And that's a really critical pivot point. You can go one of two ways, a bad way and a good way. And the bad way, and I think this is a very tempting way, it's seductive, don't do it, is to say, oh, well, if I just make the coolest technology that's ever been, <laughs> then that means it'll get out in the world. Uh, like, nope, no, 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 that's yeah. not it. What you have to do instead is to say, okay, I need to figure out who do I want to help and what are their problems, what are their pains and gains, what are they looking for, and then can I use my skills, my knowledge, my access to technology to help them. Because if you just say, it's just going to, I'm going to come with the best technology ever, man. I'm just, no. Yeah. 
You might, but that's not what's going to matter. No. What's going to matter is it'll actually be, the innovative commercial office. Yeah, if it happens, it, it'll be by chance, right? It's like uh, – Right, yeah. yeah if you do, it'll be uh-huh. like, you know, one And that's the other deal too is that we get involved with what we're doing and, and uh, hopefully we do develop that purpose uh, to, to make that technology, whatever it may be. And I think you explained it really well. You got to know the pains and gains of the market. What is it you're really trying to solve? And while you're going through that and, and leveling your your uh, your uh, motivation with this, you're also looking at maybe resources, things that you can't do, but you've got to find somebody to help you do it. Um, and of course, resources okay. really matter. And yeah, the, the team. And I would say it's you know um, for the first three people you add to your team, your it's an order of magnitude difference that you get. So like in my case, the, you know, I'm working on one now because I feel like it's important to both practice and teach and preach. Right. Right. Uh, The best team member, the first team member that we added was deep into the sciences, which is cool because he's deep into it in ways that I am not. I mean, this guy lives, eat, breathes, does the triple integrals in his head kind of stuff that I can't do. Then the next guy we got after that, was big into marketing. And I was like, okay, cool, right? Like, I, I don't even know why, why I'm here anymore because now <laughs> yeah. I've got a really strong technical person who understands the purpose, understands the entrepreneurship, you know, has been through many different kinds of these forms of training. And then I've got a marketing and operations guy who's like, yeah, I'm here for the science, you know? And I was like, guys, this is awesome. And just those that small team is worth so much more than one person by themselves. You know, you're never gonna get something in the world by yourself. You're always going to need a team. And I think the team really adds to that, uh, the value that you're going to discover in in your development. Not only that, I think too, it's really nice if you got a good team, just like what you just mentioned, uh, the brainstorming is on it's unmeasurable. I mean, you you can't do better than that to get all those thoughts and ideas out on the table uh, to articulate some of those to move forward with to develop that value proposition. Oh, absolutely. You need to talk to your fellow entrepreneurs. Uh, the conversations I've seen happen among people who are on entirely different teams on entirely different missions helping each other is fantastic. You know, so you have to, I'd say, you know, get out of your garage or you know, your individual office and you need to go where the people on the same mission as you are at. And you need to right. talk. You need to see what are you doing and why? Oh, that's cool. And can you tell me more? And then do the same thing to them. You know, tell them what you're up to, what you're working on. And oh, and I've got these roadblocks and to just be very, it's hard. Right. <laughs> it's hard. Open right. about it all. Because when you are, that's when interesting solutions start to appear. And meaningful conversations become more frequent and if you're just locked in your basement with like here's my precious little baby and no one can have it until i sell a million of it a day never <laughs> going to happen yeah <laughs> we've had a few too <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good point and and that's and that's also something that um because i think we have a need for as much education and training around entrepreneurship as we can <laughs> no such thing is too much that when people come in, it's reasonable to expect that they're not familiar with entrepreneurship, with technology transfer, with innovation and commercialization. And so there's a lot of fear. Yeah. And I'd say my first job is to 
dispel the fear by providing education. Because it's like, I don't want to tell anyone. Like, oh, you're going to have to tell people. Like, oh, my God, are you ever, have you ever seen a pitch? You've got to tell everyone. Yeah. So you need to step away from a scarcity mindset. If I've got this thing and I don't want anyone to. No, no, no. no. This is a world of abundance. And what anyone is betting on, and whether that's the federal government or whether that's private investors, they're not betting on the technology. They're betting on the team. And so the way I've heard it phrased is, it's not about the horse. It's about the jockey. The team is the jockey. And if you are able to be a good jockey, people will get you a good horse to ride. If you, if you show up on, you know, a, a, a crippled pony <laughs> and, all, and someone will find you a quarter horse. If you're a good jockey and you show up on a crippled pony, eventually people will help you find that quarter horse, you know? I agree. Uh, I've not seen it. It's an, it might look like a miracle when you get in there and you think, well, um, I don't know that anybody's going to like my crippled up old horse, but how can we make it better? Right. Well, I tell you, this has uh, been exciting, this entire conversation, my friend. I can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you being on board with us today. I would like to ask you, though, what is the final word that you'd like to get out to uh, startups, early stage, growth-driven businesses? Absolutely. What I would like to get out to them is that there is a world of research institutions, academia, national labs, NASA centers, and they are packed to the brim with ideas that they cannot wait to get out of their hands and out of their laboratories and into your hands. And that if you can find the perp, if you can find who you want to help and if you understand that piece and you then go to them and you go to this world full stuff full of inventions and patents and technology and you say i'm here to help people and here's who and here's how and here's why then you will find yourself scaling in ways that will be breathtaking i'm telling you that was really well done uh, yeah Absolutely. we uh you know and i think as 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 our own uh uh, accelerator, that's kind of the things that we try to put out there. Um, and it's really nice to hear it from you as somebody that is in the position that you are to reinforce really what we're trying to do to our community. So for that, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate your, your kind words, your knowledge, your expertise, and what you do and what you provide for these startups and early stage. And God knows even some of these ideas that go out to growth-driven businesses. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And, and really, same to y'all. We are one community together and uh it's great to be able to be a part of it you know and just just to, to piggyback on that no i know uh you know we're all one world together so are there any like upcoming opportunities maybe institutions working together uh working with uh you know across state lines or you know across the yes yeah a big one coming up i'm super excited about it so the national science foundation has taken the time to update, refresh, whatever phrase we want to use, it's innovation core program. And they've gone to this kind of hub and spoke model. Uh, please, NSF, I apologize for using the wrong language, but it does. It crosses state lines and it enables the accelerators, the incubators, the universities and the startups to at a greater regional scale across broader lines to work with one another. 
And so I'm just all about it. I cannot wait to see what comes out of it. And uh, my definitely my advice to any startup supporting organization would be to find your closest university and say, hey, guys, what are we doing to be partners around NSF I-Corps? And we're going to see some crazy, awesome collaboration. That's fantastic. Yeah, we you know and we, we're, we're excited to be part of that and kind of help, help, help out, right? Help our community out. Yes, sir. That's value added. I mean, that's the definition of value added. That's One of my favorite things to do is when I when I know it's a business that that's like had some success and they're now like, oh, we're here and we're competing in the market. Like, hey, I want to go buy your stuff, man. I want to use your services because I'm excited for you and I want to share in your story. Boy, that's a partner. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, no, we can't thank you enough. We appreciate you and your knowledge and your passion for what you do. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. All right. And uh, yeah, you know what? When things get going uh, with the Hub and Spoke, <laughs> we got to get you back on. Absolutely. Oh, yes, sir. We once once this thing is active and running, we do need to have another conversation. It'll be awesome. Love it. Love yeah, it. absolutely. Well, thank you, man. And, and you have a good one. Yes, sir. You that too. For podcast sponsorship opportunities.